Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, you can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and online, midcityvineyard.org. The last number of weeks, we've been in a series entitled 40 Days, looking at some of the events that took place in the life of Jesus and the disciples in the 40 days between the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension. What were those things and, and how did they matter? What things were the gospel writers maybe trying to communicate to us uh, through some of the things that they wrote during that time? So this week... We look at the idea and the, 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 the understanding that many times when face-to-face with Jesus, the disciples actually did not recognize Jesus. What's going on with that? So we call this one Resurrection and Recognition. So let's head on over to the podcast. Much peace to you. The last couple of weeks we were doing this series, which I have personally loved, 40 Days. Uh, 40 days based off of the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension. 40 days where we're looking at what was going on. Because there are some really strange things that were going on between the resurrection and the ascension. What was going on? So we talked one week about the, the fact that it was all women, no men, all women, who encountered the resurrected Jesus First, in every gospel, it was women. The women in the gospel stories were the first preachers, which is kind of interesting since in 2018, uh, the church has so much trouble. Many churches, not our church, but the church in general has so much trouble with women preachers. (laughs) But all the first preachers were women. (laughs) All the gospels. Preaching the good news that Jesus is alive, which is, you know. So we, we looked at that. What's going on there? And we, we kind of pressed into that uh, last week. The fact that the disciples see Jesus face to face. Yeah, I'm not really sure that's Jesus. I mean, like filled with doubt. I, lo- I loved last week because they're just filled with doubt. It's just regular dudes and regular women filled with doubt. Some different things going on. This week, I want to look at this idea that and maybe you've recognized this. Maybe you haven't. But there are two really interesting things that I find in the gospel. The first one is that Jesus is there for 40 days between the, ascension, or between the resurrection and the ascension. And yet, the scripture seems to indicate that the disciples only saw him a few times. We're not going to look at that tonight because I'm, I'm still wrapping my head around it. But apparently, he was in and out. And what I mean by that is we also have accounts in the Gospels that the disciples were in a locked room and all of a sudden the scripture says Jesus appeared. Well, long and short of it is I think there's some indication of what the resurrection body that is not bound by time and space is experiencing. Jesus more than likely was literally living within two It sounds so sci-fi and yet so cool if you allow your imagination to go there. But Jesus more than likely was living in between two dimensions, like the the kingdom of God in its fullness and and, and, and and the world, because Jesus was not bound. This new body was not bound by space and time and was not bound by walls and locks and it's like because we believe we we believe that the kingdom of God is not some far off place. We believe that the rule and the kingdom of God is actually it's right here. 
We just, it's literally right here. We, we don't, but right here, to where Jesus could literally move from here to here and be physical again and, and go back. And so I'm still studying that. I'm looking at that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of sci-fi, uh, which probably hindered me for a long time, but it's pretty, pretty nifty if you start to think about it. Tonight, what I want to look at, though, is the, it's, it's in line with that to some degree. Uh, in um, Luke chapter 24, if you have a Bible, if you have a, a book, um, I mean, a Bible or a, a, on your phone, you can go to Luke 24, verse 16. I, I find this one to be very interesting. This is a story about these two folks who were walking from Jerusalem to a, a city called Emmaus. And it says uh, in verse 13, actually, Now the same day, the two of them were going to the village uh, called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're walking and they're talking about everything that had happened. This is after the death of Jesus. And Jesus now had, had risen from the grave, but these two didn't know it. It says, as they walked and as they talked and they discussed with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Did not recognize him. Now, if you flip over to John chapter 20, there's two passages here I want to look at. Chapter 20, verse 15 says this. Jesus then said to Mary, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? But Mary, thinking that Jesus was the gardener, said, Sir, if you have carried away Jesus' body, please tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And her eyes were opened, and she exclaimed, Teacher. Jesus. And then a few verses later, verse 21, John chapter 20. Uh, is it chapter? No, I'm sorry. John chapter 21. I had that backwards. Chapter 21, verse 10. Now Jesus was standing on the shore and said to the disciples, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbs back into the boat and he drags the net ashore. It's filled with large fish, 153 to be exact. But even uh, so, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come over here and have breakfast with me. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord, but they weren't completely sure. There's this thing going on. Have you ever wondered... Why don't they recognize him? It's literally only been three days. Now, have you ever not seen a friend for a while? And maybe it's been six months, maybe it's been 12 months, maybe it's been 15 years. And your friend, the last time you saw them, they were 350 pounds. But then, this time when you see them, they're, they're now 170 pounds. And you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I didn't even recognize you. Or maybe forever in a day, you've only known them with a beard a big old full beard, and then one day they shave it after 26 years. Oh my gosh, I, I saw you across the room, but I, I didn't recognize you. I didn't know it was you. Has this ever happened to you? I'll never forget when I was in seventh grade. My dad had had a salesman 80s mustache for all of my life. That's all he had, a big old bushy mustache. Uh, seventh grade is what, 13, 13 years old. 
And I remember going back into my dad's uh, room before school, and he walks out of the bathroom, and it really, it, it, it scared me. It was, I was kind of like, ah! Like, who is this? Who is this masked man or unmasked man? Who is this dude with, I mean, he, he couldn't sell cars anymore. He couldn't, I mean, it was just like, who? Totally, I didn't recognize him. But see, I'd been with my dad with that mustache for 13 years. These guys had been without Jesus for three days. Mary had been without Jesus for three days, and they didn't recognize Jesus. That's weird. That's a weird story. And I think there's so much amazing truth and beauty packed into this, but we kind of got to, what's going on? So when Jesus comes back from the dead, what Jesus has done is he has taken on a new physical body. Jesus died a physical death, right? He dies a physical death. And when he dies a physical death, he has nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He dies. His body is laid in the grave. And what happens to bodies that are laid in graves? They decompose. They they disappear. We return to dust. And we believe that as human beings, we have this, this there, is, there are components of us that, that don't turn to dust. There's, there's spirit, there's soul, there's, there's the essence of who we are. That, that uh, Paul says to be, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when, when the body has passed and died, the, the, the essence of who we are is present with God in, in some dwelling, heavenly dwelling place. But what we are witnessing here with Jesus is that Jesus has come back from the grave and he has a new body with flesh and blood and soul and spirit and mind and heart. But it is a different body, apparently, than the one that had been crucified. It's his resurrection body. And the thing about the resurrection body of Jesus is that this body is not prone to to the same things that his previous body was prone to. Jesus' previous body was prone to sickness. Don't ever think for a minute that Jesus didn't get sick. Jesus was fully human. Uh, There were times when Jesus was a toddler that he was driving Mary nuts because he had a fever and he couldn't sleep. Or he was teething and he had fever. Or there was probably times when he was 13 years old and he got bronchitis. Or he got the flu. Or he got whatever little Jewish boys uh, in Palestine got at the time. I mean, Jesus, he was, that body was a human body prone to sickness. That body was prone to sorrow. When Jesus goes to the grave of Lazarus, what does it say he does? Jesus weeps. And Jesus weeps, why? Ultimately, because Jesus is a human being who had lost his friend. His body, he was prone to sorrow. His body was prone to death which is how he died. His resurrection body, though, is not prone to these things. What we are witnessing here in in this 40-day period is new creation. We're witnessing the birth of new creation. We're we're witnessing the fact that um, the power of the old world, the power of uh, brokenness, the power of darkness, the power of sin, has been defeated. It's been overthrown. And so God's kingdom, right here, right here, I mean, we're looking at it in Jesus, God's kingdom is being launched. 
God's way of things on earth being done as they are in heaven is being launched. And Jesus' risen mind, I mean Jesus' risen body with mind, soul, heart, spirit, is new creation. Now here's something that would be of the utmost importance for us to realize. The ancient Greeks, in particularly Plato and the other Greek philosophers, believed that the only immortal part of a human being is the soul. Plato taught Socrates, these guys, and the Greek philosophers, the only imperishable part of the human being is the soul. Now, much of Western Christian thought still today lines up more with Plato than it does with the New Testament scriptures. The life and practice of Jesus, the writings of Paul. Which is why we so often hear people say things like, you know, is their soul saved? Or where will your soul go when you die? Now, you don't, you don't hear me talk like that, but you do hear that often in many, in many circles. And the reason people talk like that is because we've learned more from Plato or we've lined up more with Plato than we have with Jesus and Paul. Because we've, we've fallen into this pattern, like Plato said, that the soul is the only imperishable part of a human being. But Jesus actually, in Jesus' resurrection, shows us that that is not true. Because what's happened is Jesus has gone before us. Jesus is the prototype. Jesus is the prototype. So we believe, and most Christians will will teach, in life after death. And what we've understood that to mean is that when I die, I will still continue to live with God. But there's actually another step that Jesus is the one who has shown us. There's actually life after, life after death. So what does Paul say? When you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what we understand from Jesus is when Jesus was absent from the body, we believe that scripturally, that Jesus actually, as the Christ and as the Messiah, had business to take care of. The scripture seems to indicate in the book of Peter that Jesus descended to the dead. Now, there are a lot of different uh, scholars and theologians who talk about this, but where, where I have lined up, and, and remember, when I teach, you guys know, you, you go study it for yourself, and you, you kind of think through it, but where I, after all of my study, have lined up is that when Jesus descended to the dead, Jesus went to set the captives free. Jesus went to preach the gospel to those who had died. Jesus went to explain to darkness and to death and to sin that their power had been broken because the Messiah had taken on all of darkness and all of death and in three days' time would come back. See, I think the enemy of our soul, darkness itself, is not able to... to doesn't have foreknowledge of the future. So when Jesus is dead on the cross, I think darkness is going like, yeah, we killed him. We did it. And Jesus probably is like descending to the dead to say, hey, uh, way to go. You exercised the full brunt of all of your force. You took everything you had, darkness, and you threw it at me. But you guys need to know it wasn't enough because I'm coming back and I'm going to conquer it. So his body lays in a grave. His spirit, soul, whatever, goes elsewhere. And then his spirit, soul, is reunited on the third day with a brand new 
physical, resurrected, resurrection body. So he experienced life after death, when his body lay in a grave, and his life continued in some other dwelling dimension. And then he experienced life after life after death, when Jesus came back and he was reunited with a resurrection body. Jesus is the prototype. Jesus goes before us. Jesus is showing us, this is what I'm doing. I'm not just dying on the cross for your sins. I'm not just coming to, to, to make you feel better about yourselves. I'm coming to like birth new creation. And it involves bringing about forgiveness for your sins, redemption for, for, for your whole being, reconciliation and reclaiming all of creation and all of people. This is what I'm doing. And when Jesus returns to earth in life after life after death, he has a body. It's interesting, though. And this is how we know he has a body. He, he goes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, look, I mean, the, the, look, there's holes. There's holes. There's scars. Put your hand in the holes. So Jesus still has scars. He still has wounds. But now these wounds are not sources of pain. They're not sources of death. These wounds are sources of victory. These wounds are, look, here's my witness. What was intended for evil, what was intended for, for, um, for destruction, look at how the God of the universe has remade it. <laughs> this is like, this is such amazingly good news. And this new body is immortal. It's passed through death to come to now. And this is probably, probably, the reason that Jesus' body is unrecognizable. It's because like, it's probably, if I had to guess, which I am guessing, it's probably a lot like the friend who is the same friend, but they lost a lot of weight. Or they're the same friend, but they shaved something. They, they, you know, something's different about you. And, I, it, 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 I, I. and then he says, Mary. Oh. The, 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 the people on the road to Emmaus, it says when they broke bread and Jesus gave the bread, they were, wait a minute, we know that bread breaker. Like we've, we've, we've been with this one before. And this body is not subject to sin or injury or decay or death. So, what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for you? According to the early Christians, the purpose of the new body was to rule wisely over God's world. The whole point of Jesus' death and resurrection was that Jesus was doing up close in the present what he was promising long-term in the future. Jesus was doing for us, up close, in the present, in the moment, what the future promise is. And the future promise is that when Jesus returns, the dead will be raised, and we will reign again in a new heavens and in a new earth with God. Revelation, we will be his people, and he will be our God, and we will dwell here on earth, a new heavens, a new earth, here. And we will fulfill and walk right back into our original Genesis 1 and 2 mandate 
to rule creation with God. Like this is, and, and we need new bodies to do that. We need bodies that, that can, can, can take on this glory of God and reflect this glory that can indeed be not prone to sickness and injury and ultimately humanity's ultimate enemy, death. And Jesus shows us up close, this is what it's going to look like. I'm showing you what it's going to look like. And Jesus, he's promising in the future and doing in the present. What he's doing is he's not promising just saved souls that go off to some disembodied eternity. But he's rescuing us from corruption. He's rescuing us from decay. He's rescuing us from the way that the world presently is. So that today we can begin to live into that new creation. So the point here is that, or the point of resurrection, is that the present bodily life that you have is not valueless just because it will die. This body will die. Okay? We, we know that. No one, none, no one in the room needs convincing of that. I don't think. This body will die. But what Jesus is showing us is that what you are doing right now in this body matters. How you treat other people in this body matters. How you treat yourself in this body matters. How you treat your neighbors in this body matters. How you develop fruits of the Spirit and how you practice patience and kindness and generosity matters. How you, you bring every thought captive to, to the Spirit of God, as, as Paul says in Romans, it matters. Because God will raise this to new life. What you do in your body matters, and God has a future in store for it. Tom Wright, theologian, British theologian, says, what you do in the present whether it's painting or preaching or singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, teaching children, digging wells, working for justice, writing poems, caring for the sick, loving others, it will all last into God's future. Because God is building his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. What you do matters. We are building for God's kingdom. Shay, do you have 1 Corinthians chapter 15? I've asked Shay to read this passage out of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15.
So Paul, first, uh, I encourage you, look at that this week. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. The imperishable flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And what Paul's talking about there is he says, listen, I want you to know that this is going to rot and decay. This must be reclothed with your new resurrection body. He says, but it's going to happen. And then he says, but in the meantime, do everything in your life as you're working for the Lord because none of it will be in vain. This is going somewhere. Your life is going somewhere. My life is going somewhere. And so we live on, we move on, we press in. I can't, this is my last thought here for you, but I can't say this 100%, but I, I do have a thought on this that when he says we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye, I believe that he's saying for those who are alive in Christ, they'll immediately cash in this, this body that's perishable for their new body, and they'll just be living it out right here on earth. What I don't think, and again, go study this, go think about this, but this works for me. I don't think that in the twinkling of an eye, all of us will just be made to be 100% like God. We'll all be the most kind people, the most patient people, the most generous people. What I actually believe is that what you do now matters so very much. And to the degree that you develop kindness in your heart and mercy and generosity, you will take that to new heavens and new earth with you. To where if Eric here is developing a generous heart, if he's practicing the discipline of generosity and he's learning to be generous with his time and in his energy and his money, but I am just a greedy son of a gun, hoarding, 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 doing all I can, well, we will both stand together in new heavens and new earth in the presence of God one day, but I, I really believe that Eric will take with him everything that he has developed to that point. And I'll realize, oh, yeah, and I'll start practicing more. I need to move more in line with, with who God is and what God's doing. So it makes sense that we're growing in patience. We're growing in generosity. We're growing in mercy. We're growing in, 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 in gratefulness. We're growing in forgiveness. We're growing in these things because it matters. Because it matters. It's, it's the invitation that God has extended, that Jesus has said, come on, get in on this. This is the good life. Listen, this is the life of the future. This is what it's going to be like. This is where you're headed. Get in on it now. Let's do this. This is why I believe Jesus was unrecognizable. Because he had a body that has passed through death and that is now living the fullness of the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus says, come on, I'm showing you the way. Follow me. Amen.